This podcast is presented to you by Passion Church and their campus in Alexander City, Alabama. For more information, visit www.mypassion.church. I want to read to you from the book of Isaiah and something that uh, God really laid on my heart. Um, My wife and I, uh, several years ago we moved, uh, we had been in California for a while, moved back to the south and then God closed some doors and there was one door open and it was back to, to go back to California, so we did. And it is from there that I mainly uh, function with our international ministries, which you guys are a part of. You you help support and we're training. Uh, you, you're actually functioning uh, and ministering. Uh, while you're here in Alexander City and the surrounding area, you're ministering in nations across the world, uh, and really the sun hardly ever set, doesn't set on what you're doing. Uh, we're training national leaders in different countries, uh, and it's interesting, one of our significant works, our work that has really started to blossom has been in Pakistan, which is right next door to Afghanistan, if you know what happened there recently. Uh, and with the uh, group that has come in there and taken over. And, of course, they want to drive out any Christianity, any missionaries or anything like that. I mean, they're having to get out uh, uh, just to spare, uh, for their life. But right there, God's really doing a work in Pakistan, and it's, it's a, a, the next-door neighbor, and it's a gateway. It's very critical for that whole region. But I thought, how amazing is God's timing that he put us there several years ago and we began to minister and really develop uh, national leaders. And and I'm telling you, it's just phenomenal what's happening. I do training once a month there. And it's amazing what is happening. But uh, here we are. And you're a part of it. You are a part of it. Every time you give a dollar or you pray for what we're doing in the world, you're a part of it, and it's significant, and it takes all of us together, doesn't it? It takes all of us together, but uh, it's really amazing. But anyway, from where we live in California, I, I do uh, our training and work with our leaders in the different nations of the earth. And, uh, but three years ago, when we moved back, uh, and I won't get into all the reasons why, but just a door opened, and uh, God directed us to a certain place there and it's in the desert when I say the desert it's the desert Uh, our summer months are 110 to 120 degrees and somebody says well it's dry heat yes it is it's very hot dry heat it's like an oven is dry heat isn't it Uh, but uh, we're there and uh, I um when I got there, I began to say, God, you know, you opened this door, but what are we doing? What are we doing? Because everywhere we've ever gone, my wife and I, we've been in many different places uh, <clears throat> in ministry, but everything was on purpose. We always went with a purpose, and we knew we were there for a purpose, and it was a destiny in the destination. And <clears throat> uh, I began to ask God... In, you know, my spirit reaching out and saying, God, what are we doing here? Why are we here? What is it? 
And God laid a scripture on my heart, and it began to tug on my heart. Uh, and you've had this happen, I'm sure, but uh, it, that scripture, I couldn't get away from it. Uh, every time I began to pray, it would just bubble up. Every time I would read my Bible, I'd, I'd go over to somewhere else, but it was like, you know, I needed to make a U-turn and go back over there. And, and it just kept pulling me and pulling me. And it really began to formulate a cry, a longing, a desperation in my spirit. And you know, that's the way God works. When God has a plan, a purpose, uh, He will... Uh, drop something in our heart that will cause us to cry out. He'll even use sometimes circumstances, not that he causes them, but they will work into his tapestry for our lives that will cause us to suddenly stop in, the, in life's journey and just begin to cry out to God. You know, the children of Israel were uh, in slavery for hundreds of years, but eventually there came a cry that began to, uh, to every generation couldn't get away from. They cried out to God. And so God says to Moses, I've heard the cries of my people and I've come to, and I'm sending you to deliver them. But God put this, began to stir my heart in this scripture, these verses that I'm going to read to you in a moment. They just became a, like a well springing up within me of a longing and a crying out to God. And so I now have this scripture uh, on my desk and where I do most of my writing and stuff and developing uh, study materials for our different uh, training centers in different countries of the world. And, and it's there, I see it. And it's in my Bible, uh, written on in where I'll, my, I have prayer list of people that I pray for. And you're a part on that. But in there is that verse, those verses, because it's now become uh, the, the, the uh, clarion call the cry from the depths of my heart. And I want to read it to you here. And God says in Isaiah chapter 44, in verses 1 through 3 or 4 is where we're going to read. Isaiah 44, 1 through 4. And I'm reading out the New Living Translation because it's very simple for a guy like me. It's easily understandable. And God says this, But now, when is, when is God talking about? When is God talking about? He said, but now. Does anybody know when now is? Does anybody know when now is? You know, sometime you need to stop and embrace now. Sometime you need to stop in, the, in going in life and say, wait a minute, now. You know, the Bible says, now faith is. You see, if you're not careful, the nows of your life will pass by and you'll miss something. Because God's in the now of your life. He's not just in your tomorrows or your yesterdays. God is in the now because He's a now God. Somebody say He is a now God. He is in the now of your life. And right now, there are things in your life now that need to change. There are things that in you that need to change. Right now, there's things you need to do, God to do now. And there's things He wants to say to you now. And God says, but now. Everybody say now. now. He said, but now listen to me. Now here's my question. Here's a question I have. Who are you listening to? Who are you listening to? I have some notes to help me to keep on track. Who are you listening to? 
You know, there's a lot of voices speaking. Right now in the world, there's so much turmoil going on. And it is it is doesn't take a rocket scientist to understand that there's some diabolical force. There is an unseen force in the nations of the earth. Because it's not just in a certain area, it's worldwide. As I talk to our leaders and interface with our leaders around the world, they're all saying the same thing. You would think it was, it was them, somebody living next door to you. It was think it was somebody that had been listening to your conversations. Because there's a cry coming all over the world. And they're all recognizing the enemy is doing something. He's accelerated what he is doing. And that means God is going to do something. Because God never sits by and watches the enemy decimate his, uh, the work of God on the earth. And as I talk to them, they're all saying, and you know what the amazing thing to me is? That every one of them, you know what they say? They say, we're praying for America. We need America. We need, the world needs America. We need America to be strong. We need America to stand up for righteousness. We need America. We need you because you're the reason. America is the reason most of us heard the gospel through missionaries and through people that have gone and shared the gospel in the nations of the earth. And there is something that all of the world is recognizing there is something happening. This is not business as usual. This is not a normal time. It is different. And we need to recognize that. We cannot just pretend that life is or try to make life, or I want it to be the way it was, and just try to find the normalcy in life. There's not a normal. Everything's changing. Everything is changing and we need to recognize it. God says, but now listen to me. I'm going to tell you what now. When things are happening like this, there's a whole lot of voices starting to speak. And you know what? You can listen to the left. You can listen to the right. You can listen to wherever you want to. But I'm going to tell you what, you know, I, you, uh, I don't listen to the news. I don't care who it's from, whether it's on the left side or the right side. I'm not interested in what man has got to say because man's words have never helped me. They've never set me free. And they're not my answer. And in a time like this, I know where I need, I know where my help comes from. And I know who I need to hear from. And God says, but now listen to me. Now I'm going to tell you what. You need to shut off all the other things. Because in the midst of the voices of men, there's also a voice, a voice that will speak to you, that will mess you up, that will steal your faith, steal your courage, steal your joy, and steal your peace. And before you know it, you become overwhelmed with what's all the stuff that is being said. And the voices that are speaking. The enemy does not ever let a crisis go to waste. But God says this. But now, listen to me. And so, we need to make a decision. You know what? I'm going to listen to what God's got to say. You need to make a decision. God, I don't care what everybody else is saying. I want to hear what you've got to say. I don't even care what my head is saying. I don't even care what I am hearing inside me. I want to hear you. There is a voice that speaks in the midst of all the voices. And I want to hear that voice. Are you with me? 
He says, but now listen to me. Jacob, my servant, Israel, my chosen one. Listen to me, Jacob, my servant. You need to ask yourself, who am I listening to? Who am I listening to? Who am I listening to? And make the decision, God, I'm listening for you. My ear is towards you. You remember Jesus would say time and time again, he that has an ear, let him hear. You need to make the decision, Lord, I have an ear to hear. All right? Lord, I want to hear your voice. Who are you listening to? The second thing I want to tell you is, he says, listen to me, Jacob, my servant, Israel, my chosen one, the Lord, and I, let, me, let me just park for a minute on that word choice, chosen there. Notice he says, now listen to me. You know, when I was raising kids, Denise and I were raising our kids, that we now have great grandkids, our grandkids are having kids, but when we were raising our kids, especially when they got to be teenagers, which I don't know why God invented teenagers, he should have gone from child to adult and just skip the teenage years oh my lord but I'm telling so many times our daughters or our son would be doing all and we Denise or I'd say listen to me listen to me and they're saying all we'd say listen to me and that's what God is saying but now listen to me listen to me everybody say I'm listening God and he said to them, he said, Jacob, my servant, Israel, my chosen one. The word there in the Hebrew, chosen one, chosen means excellent choice, special, special choice, perfect choice. You were the perfect choice. You're God's perfect choice. He has chosen you. Say with me, I am chosen. Close your eyes. Put your hand on your chest and say, I am chosen. You need to encourage yourself with that at times. I am chosen. He says, Is Jacob my servant, Israel my chosen one, the Lord who made you. You've got to remember who made you. You know, whoever, when you, <clears throat> I have a, a Jeep. My, my car is a Jeep. <clears throat> and um, had some problems with it. Some things started going wrong. But you know, <clears throat> what I did, I went in the glove compartment and I pulled out this book. And it's called the Owner's Manual. Like your Bible. It's the Owner's Manual. And you know what? I didn't go, I didn't look for a Ford owner's manual because Ford didn't make my Jeep Chevrolet didn't make my Jeep you know what you need to recognize who made you 
And his word says some things about you. And it really doesn't matter what circumstances say. It doesn't matter what other people say or other people think. I could really care less because I'm reading the owner's manual. And God made me and I don't need anybody else to try to fix me or tell me how I should be. Remember who made you. The Bible says you're in the image of God. Now listen very carefully to me. That is exactly what the enemy is after. From the very beginning, when Adam touched, came, when God breathed into Adam, that lump of clay on, uh, on the ground that he had formed, and God breathed into him and became a living being and he stood up, and he started looking and acting and walking and talking just like God. And the enemy looked at it. That's what he hated because he saw the image of God. He saw the image of the one who he had rebelled against and who knew he knew was going to judge him one day. And he was powerless against. He hates that image because he's on the earth and he doesn't want that image on the earth. Because it declares his destiny of destruction and of, of uh, punishment for eternity, eternity. So he hates the image of God. He hates the image of God. That's why he wants to get our minds all confused and wrapped up in our problems, wrapped up in what's going on in society and what's happening in the world and what we don't have and what we aren't and what all of that. And what we've got to do is go back to the owner's manual, listen to God, and remember who made us. You're made in the image of God. You bear the image of God. Say it with me. I bear the image of God. And you know, it's amazing. If, if we ever could get a grasp just on that truth right there. You know, when Adam walked the earth, when, when he said to a horse, you're a horse, the horse obeyed him. Why? Because the horse recognized the image of God. When he said to a bird, you're a, you're a crow or you're a sparrow, why did it obey him? Because the Bible says whatever he called it, that's what it was. God didn't say you need, this is what that is. Adam decided what. Those pigs you were raising, Adam's the one that decided they were pigs. God made them, but, God, but Adam named them. Why? Because he had the image of God and the pig recognized it. I'm telling you what, if you get a hold of this, the devil, every time you begin to say something, the devil would recognize it. Your circumstances would recognize it. Y'all aren't listening to me, but anyway. I mean, right there is enough for us to wrap up in our heart, go home and be victorious with. I bear, say it again, I bear the image of God. You know what? I bear the image of God. I dare any circumstances. I bear the image of God Almighty, creator of heaven and earth, the God of the universe, the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Savior, who, is this, who is the Savior of the world, who is God eternal. And God all by himself, nobody made him God. He bears the image of God. Listen to what he says. The Lord who made you and helps you, you got to remember where your help comes from. 
You know, some look to the mountains, some look to this and that, but the Bible, the psalmist said, my help, my help, my help, somebody help me out. My help comes from the Lord. We just had a little grandson born. He was a preemie. My youngest daughter's grandson, uh, a child, a little boy. They named him Axel, the name that they felt the Lord would have them call him before he was born. Axel means son of peace and warrior of God. He was born as a preemie and had, was in uh, the intensive care unit. They transferred him from the, from the hospital there in Desert Regional Hospital in the Palm Springs area over to Loma Linda, one of the top hospitals in the nation, one of the top in the world, and put him in a special unit there because they didn't expect him to live. His platelet count shot up above like 1.3 million and above 400,000. It's a serious situation. And Denise, my wife, and I, got to be careful who you listen to. Denise began to Google what uh, all the, the uh, you know, what was uh, they, uh, on Mayo Clinic and all these others and what it, would, what it meant that the platelet count was that high. And what she found out is there is a 0% survival, 100% mortality rate when they're pla- when, and, and a, an infant when their mort- uh, platelet count gets to that high. She looked at me and she said, Steve, let me tell you what it says here. I said, no, I've already read what it says. I said, I don't want to hear that. He's fearfully and wonderfully made. He's fearfully, and I kept saying that, he's fearfully and wonderfully made. And my, my little daughter, she's standing over her lip trembling, Daddy, Daddy. And I said, believe God. And she said, I am. But her trip, lip is trembling. And our family went to warfare and different ones, your pastors and others and some of you, uh, uh, trust, were praying with us and fighting this battle. And I'll tell you what, thank God for the body of Christ because you're not alone when you're going through things. Praise God. It's like the prophet said to his servant when they were surrounded, he said, don't worry, son. There's more with us than there are with them. And I'm going to tell you what, thank God for the body of Christ because I knew, I felt the strength and the comfort of the prayers of God's saints. But here we were fighting for our grandsons and uh, my daughter, her, she and her husband fighting for their son's life. And they were up there, they had rented a place in Loma Linda to be there with him every day and one, only one could be in there. So one would be there during the day, one during the night and <clears throat> in the uh, NICU unit. And God gave my wife a word. And she said, in 24 hours, God's going to turn this around. And it was at the darkest moment when they were in, in the NICU unit. It's a huge unit there at Loma Lindo. And then the, they put them according to how severe they are. And the hopeless cases are put all the way at the back in the far corner. Guess where my grandson was? He was in the farthest place in the farthest bed in the farthest corner so that every morning when and every evening when my my son-in-law or my daughter walked in there they were looking at 
them saying, just come be near him while you can, because this is, there's nothing we can do. And they said, there's nothing we can do. And God gave my wife that word in 24 hours, God's going to turn this thing around. And we called our daughter, we told her, we said, 24 hours, baby, God's turning this around. And she grabbed a whole, it matters who you're listening to. It matters who you're listening to. And I'm going to tell you what, she grabbed a hold of that thing, she and her husband, and listen to me. In 24 hours, in the, the next day, we got a call. And Denise said, she said, Mom, Dad, you won't believe. And I said, yes, we will. She said, Here, you won't believe what happened. She said, the nurse came in and said, something has happened. His platelet count has suddenly dropped. And we have no explanation for it. Two days later, he's home with us. The Lord who helps you. The Lord who made you and helps you. Who helps you. I know where my help comes from. I know where my help comes from. That little girl that gave birth to that baby, boy. When she was born, she died in her mother in the birth canal. She was dead over four minutes. Her Everything stopped. They couldn't do a C-section. They couldn't get out. And the doctor looked at me and shook his head. Denise looked at me and I said, everything is all right. Because you know what? We had a word from God. We believed God. God had said, I'm giving you a child. This daughter will be born. And so we hung on to that. And Denise kept looking at me. And I said, she said, Steve. And I said, everything's all right. Who are you listening to? And you know what? When they brought her out, she was dead. She had been dead for several minutes. And they couldn't get her to breathe. Her little lifeless body was purple, blue. And they beat on her and beat on her and beat on her. And she wouldn't breathe. And Denise said, I said, everything is all right. And the doctor kept doing it. He'd look at me and shook his head. Tears are running down his face. The nurses are crying. And he beat on little mom baby. And he beat on her and beat on her. And he shook his head. And Denise said, Steve. And I said, everything is all right. <laughs> I know who helps me. And you know what? All of a sudden I heard a little cry. When she cried, everybody in that room just went crazy. Everybody. The doctor, he broke down. And she is the one that gave birth. And I reminded her. I said, baby, you were a miracle. And this boy is going to be a miracle. And he is. The Lord helps you. <laughs> Somebody said, God, you are my help. Oh, my goodness. He says, do not be afraid, O Jacob. You've got to refuse fear. You've got to refuse fear. What is fear? False evidence appearing real. Fear, false evidence appearing real. And we all have had it come at us. I'm going to tell you what, when that, we were, with that with our grandson, 
Listen, you can stand, I know what it means. When you're standing in faith, it doesn't mean fear's trying to knock the wind out of your sails. Doesn't mean fear's not trying to take you down. I'm going to tell you what, the demons of hell standing around screaming at you and, and, and fear tries to overcome your heart, doesn't it? It tries to overwhelm you. It tries to smother you to literally take the breath out of you. Because there wasn't anything. I couldn't go fix it. But you know what? I'm all, it's all right when it's just you and God. It's all right when all you got is God. It's all right when God is all I have left. And so we just refused fear. We've made up our minds. We're not going to fear. We're not going to fear. And I tell my baby, my daughter, I said, baby, I said, don't fear. I said, push it aside. Do not let it take hold of your heart. Because this is a battle in your heart right now. He says, do not be afraid. I want you to close your eyes. And once again, put your hand on your chest. And say, I refuse to fear. Amen. He said, do not be afraid, O Jacob, my servant. O, O dear Israel, my chosen one. Now, I said all that, that's the introduction. Because this next verse is the one that God put in my spirit three years ago that I cannot get away from and don't want to get away from. Here's why God said you don't have to fear. Here's why he wants us to remember who we belong to. And he, this is why he said, listen to me, listen to me. This is why he says, you don't have to worry, I'm your help. I'm going to tell you why, because he said, for I will. Let me tell you what, God is about to do something. God said, I will. You can take it to the bank, my friend. You can take it to the bank. When God says, I will, it's a done deal. Jesus said to the disciples, you'll feed all those people. They've been here three days. There's 5,000 men, not counting women and children. So we know there had to be a bunch of folks there. All right? And he said, they need to eat. They haven't eaten in three days out here in the wilderness. And the disciples look at him and say, Lord, what are we going to do, Master? There's no food out here. We're in the desert, in the wilderness. There's no food. And it, besides, it would take a year's wages just to buy the food for them. And he said, nevertheless, you go feed them. You do find food for them. But the Bible, one of my favorite verses in the Bible says this, but he himself already knew what he was going to do. I don't care what you're facing. I don't care what you're wanting. I don't care what you're longing for. I don't care what you're dealing with. I don't care what's attacking you or the devil's threatening you with. Let me tell you something. You can write it down. You can seal it that God already knows what he is going to do. God already knows what he is going to do and whatever he does, it is good for you. He said, for I will. For I will. Listen to this. Pour out water to quench your thirst and to irrigate your parched field. Now let me, I want to read it out of the Message Bible. I love the way the Message Bible says this. He says, for I will. Everybody say, God will. will. Now listen, we're not talking about we're on the verge of something. I've heard that 
since I got saved 150 years ago. People say, oh, God's on the, we're on the, God's on the verge of doing something. God's, let me tell you, God's always doing something. Jesus said, he said, my father is always working. I'm telling you what, while you're sitting here, God's working on your problems. While you're sitting here, God's working on your loved ones. While you're sitting here, God's working in your behalf. While you're sitting here, God's working on whatever your needs are. Whatever Those prayers you've been praying, maybe it was 10 years ago you prayed and you forgot all about it. God hadn't forgotten. To him, it was just a moment ago. You said, I prayed that when I was 20 years ago. God, it was just a moment ago for him. God is always working and he's always working for our good. For I will pour water on the thirsty ground. Now, let me say this. This verse, God has stirred in my heart to where I begin to cry out, Oh God, oh God, oh God, oh God. And you know what? God's good to me. God's blessed me. I've been blessed far beyond anything I could ever deserve. I'm a blessed man. I am a blessed man. I got a wife that we've been married 55 years. We love each other. We adore each other. We got four wonderful kids. God, I mean, God's good to me. We have bread on our table. We have a roof over our head. I got clothes I can wear. God's good to me. But you know what? God began to stir this in me and to wear that those things thank God for them. I love my family. I love them. But God, but God, but God, you're bigger than this. You're bigger than this. Oh God, you're stirring in my heart. I'm hungry. There's more. There's got to be more, oh God. And I found myself crying out and crying out. I get up in the morning. I get out on my back there, on the back of the house. And I begin, oh God, oh God. And I speak to the mountains. Because you can see the mountains from right there in our yard. I cry out, oh God, oh God. And I remind him, I said, you said I will pour water on the thirsty ground. I'm thirsty, God. I'm thirsty. Oh God, you will not let my thirst go unanswered. Hear my cry. Hear my cry. For I will pour. You got to listen. Who's going to be? Who is he going to pour water out? On the thirsty. For I will pour water on the thirsty ground. There's the qualifier. If you're not thirsty, don't worry. You won't know it. Life will go on. God bless you. But if you're thirsty... Get ready. Get ready. Because I'm telling you what, a deluge is coming. And it's going to overwhelm you. You're gonna, it's going to be something you've never seen or tasted or experienced. It's going to be greater than anything you've ever known. Listen, I'm 74 years young. And I'm so hungry and thirsty for God to do something, for God to do, that you know what? I refuse to die. I'm going to live and see it and walk in it and be used in it and be an experience and be a part of what God's going to do. For I will pour water on the thirsty ground. I will send streams. Jesus said, 
Oh, if anyone is thirsty, come and drink. And out of your inner being will flow rivers of living water. Hallelujah. I will send streams coursing through your part. I'm adding that. Your parched land. The devil comes into parched, doesn't he? He strips it bare like a parched desert. Parched. Barren. God said, I'm going to pour. I'm going to cause streams, rivers, begin to course through your soul, course through your life, course into all the dry places where the enemy has tried to steal, kill, and destroy. I'm sending the water of my spirit. And he says, I will pour my spirit into your descendants and my blessings on your children. And listen to this, and they will flourish like trees planted by the rivers. <laughs> now listen to me. I said all that to say this. You and I are standing right now in the threshold. A threshold. God, a, a move of God that we've never seen before. That really, I believe and am confident will be unprecedented. When we lived in Los Angeles, I, you know, Azusa, the Azusa Street Revival out there. Hundreds of thousands came to a little house on Azusa Street where suddenly God showed up. A group of people pray, praying, a one-eyed black man, leading in prayer, humble man, Daddy Seymour. Would, he'd get up there to preach and then get down and begin to pray. And the Holy Ghost began to fall. People began to come from all over. Not just that Neighborhood suddenly from all over. People came from around the world. Because God was doing something. God was doing something. The river was flowing. God had poured out on their dry ground. And he was causing streams to come forth in the desert. In the dry land of Los Angeles, California. The stream was beginning to flow and thousands, they came by the tens of thousands to be touched by God. And God spoke this to my heart and he said, son, what happened there was just a foretaste of what I'm getting ready to do. That was just a little, if you will, like a commercial saying, get ready. This it's just a sign of what I'm going to do. And here's where I am. You know what that causes me to do? My heart, my life, my passion now is for that. There's a lot of other things, a lot of things on my table, a lot of things on my plate. 
But you know what? Above all else, more than anything else, this is what matters. Like David, when he said, this one thing do I desire. And like Paul said, this one thing I do. Well, like them, I can say, this one thing is my pursuit. My pursuit. Are you hungry? Are you hungry? Are you thirsty? Because God wants to do something. And He sent me tonight. He sent me tonight just to tell you. If you're willing to be thirsty, God would really like, and you said it, Pastor, if He would like to hang out, I'm going to tell you what. He wants to do a little more and hang out. He wants to overwhelm. He wants to, he wants to flood your life to where you say, Oh my God. Oh my God. Oh my God. I've heard of it. I've dreamed of it. And this is it. And the only thing he says, get this. I don't have to be smart enough, pretty enough, rich enough. I don't have to know all the, the, the things to do. All I got to do, all I, all I have to do, it's kind of like when I got saved, all I had to be was a sinner. I didn't have to be smart, good, or anything. I just had to be a sinner and recognize that and say, Jesus, I need you. I'm a sinner, and I can't save myself. There's nothing good about me. If you're willing to take me, here I am. And look at, I'm tell you what, he took this old sinner, and God changed my life. And all he wants us, only thing he asks of us, the only thing he asks is this. Now, I, before I say it, I want to say this. What I'm sharing with you, it's not some special revelation God's given me. God's give, I mean, it is. It's, it's manna. It's fresh manna in me. It is. Whether you can taste it or not, it is fresh manna in me. But you know what? When I, when I listen, not to the voices of the world, but to voices that I know are hearing from the Father, when I listen to them, when I talk with them, guess what they're saying? Brother, let me tell you what God's stirring in my heart. God's stirring. He's about to pour out. And you know what they're saying? I'm so hungry. I'm so thirsty. I'm so thirsty. My friend, I took all this time of yours to tell you if you'll just, God's about to do something. God's about to do something. And this something will change everything in your life. Let me tell you what. In the midst of the move of God, the impossible is suddenly possible. And all God asks, are you willing to be thirsty? Are you willing to be thirsty? Stand with me.
stand with me, please? I want us to do something here. Because I believe faith is an act. I believe faith is an act. And so I'm going to ask you to do an act. Do something. If you say, and listen, and be, be honest. None of us have to impress anybody. Because this is not about anybody, it's about you and God, isn't it? It's me and God. Here's what I'm asking you. I stood up because I'm going to ask you to do something. If you, God's not saying you've got to be thirsty, but are you willing to be thirsty? Because I have to be honest. When I'm, we moved out there and this verse began to, was, it came up, my spirit kept coming up, you know, kind of like the, the cork in the water. It just kept coming up and up, you know, and Pastor Ron, you know, after a while, I'm not the sharpest tool in the shed, but I'm not the dullest either. And after a while, you know, I catch on. My wife says it takes a while, but I still do catch on. And God's patient with me. And it kept coming up and coming up. And finally I said, God, you're trying to tell me something, aren't you? And I can't say that I had this. I mean, I've always hungered for God. But I didn't have what I have now in me. But that's the beauty of the Lord, Pastor. He has a desire for us. And then he tries to stir up a hunger in us to where we'll want that desire. We'll desire what he wants for us. So I'm on, here's what I'm going to ask you to do. If you're, whether you, some of you are thirsty. But some of you say, well, you know what? It sounds good. Well, here's my question. Are you willing? Are you willing to let the Holy Spirit create a thirst in you? Let me tell you, are we, are we at that moment right now where that is happening? No. But we're at the moment of preparation for that happening. Denise and I are going to get on a plane and fly back to California. Well, we got our tickets already. Area where there's chairs and we're waiting, you know, what are we waiting on them? For someone to get up, and they'll say, flight uh, 5674 to Palm Springs, California is now boarding uh, at gate so-and-so, all those, you know. And so, once we get the boarding call, we're, but you know, we had to be there, ready. We had to get the ticket, and we had to go be there. We couldn't sit at home and say, well, they'll call us. They'll come get us. Are you listening to me? There was something we had to do. And you know what? I'm doing it. And I know it's not there yet, but I'm going to tell you what, I know this because I am allowing God to stir a hunger in me. I know this, I'm going to be a part of it. So I'm going to ask you, if you say I am thirsty, or if you say I am willing to be thirsty, I want you to come and stand right up here. We're just coming up. Why am I asking you to do this? Because it's to make a move towards God. That's all it is. 
Just an act of faith. Just an act of faith. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. And here's what I'm, I'm going to ask you this. I want you to be willing to do this for yourself. And when I say for yourself, because for God. All right? The other thing, though, is for us. For God's work here. Amen? For God's work here. Because I want to tell you, God's looking for gateways. He's looking for places that will allow him a people like a little house on Azusa Street in Los Angeles, California. Just a little house. It's a little little house. A little shotgun house. But the glory of God came in because some people gathered and cried out for God to do something. All right, let's pray right now. Lift your hands toward heaven, if you will. And just say with me, dear Lord Jesus, I am willing for you to implant in me, to put in me a hunger and a thirst for what you're going to do. I don't want to miss it. I want to be a part of it. Stir me. Stir my heart. In Jesus' name, God. I lift my heart before you. And I want to be a vessel for your glory. In Jesus' mighty name. In Jesus' name. Now, Father, I pray over these people. I thank you, Lord God, that there is a hunger that you put in each one. A thirst for you, Lord God. And that all of their cares and all the other things, that those things still matter in their life. They are important in their life. But above all things, above all things, that there is a hunger and a thirst for you above all things. That there is a thirst for the move and the work of the Holy Spirit. Pour out Jesus. Pour out God. I'm asking you, pour out on them of your spirit in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Thank you, my Father. Now let's just begin to worship him. Begin to worship him. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Worship him. Praise you, Jesus. Praise you, Jesus. Thanks for listening to today's podcast. We hope you've enjoyed it and pray that you are blessed by God's word. For more information about Passion Church, visit www.mypassion.church.